Hi, and welcome to the Northridge Vineyard Evening Community Podcast. We're a church community in Sydney, Australia, who are passionate about pursuing God together and seeing the world changed by His love. We hope this message challenges and inspires you. For more talks and other resources, please visit our website, www.northridge.org.au. We are currently in the middle of a series looking at the Gospel of Luke, which has been really fun. Uh, we've, it's been interrupted like three times now, I think. Um, but we are... So tonight's talk is supposed to be on discipleship. It's a talk that I've been really excited to give for quite a long time. I had the talk written, practiced, and as I was running through it yesterday, uh, I just felt this little tap on the shoulder, and I just felt this strong sense that it just wasn't the right talk for tonight. Um, given what's happening in our world with the coronavirus pandemic, um, I thought it was really important to actually address that. Um, I, I was reading an article in Christianity Today uh, this, this week, and it started by saying, wouldn't it be a shame if all, you, all we heard from churches was the same information that's coming out from the government? You know, like, we're the church. You know, we worship the king uh, who rules over all things. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to explore. We've talked about how we're responding practically as a church to what's happening. We want to explore what God is doing in this situation. How does this coronavirus pandemic make any sense if you believe that God is good? Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. And I believe that given, uh, you know, reading back bad news is kind of addictive. Like when there's a, like those live feeds that have on SMH and ABC, like I've just been checking them constantly all week. Um, and there's a lot of bad news that's coming out at the moment. And so I thought, let's talk about how to be people of the good news. Because we are people of the good news. So, okay, thought exercise. Let's say you are sitting in a cafe, uh, like a quiet cafe. Mmm, yeah, that's right. Amen. Uh, now we'll continue the thought exercise. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Heckling me from the front. Uh, so let's say you're in a cafe, quiet cafe. You're going about your business. Maybe you're having a coffee with a friend. Maybe you're just getting a bit of work done. And, and someone opens the door and says, everyone, stop, listen. You wouldn't believe the good news. What would make someone do that? What kind of news would it take that someone would burst into a cafe and tell strangers about the good news? It's an interesting thought exercise, isn't it? Maybe, maybe they have a friend who's been really sick and they've, they've, they've suddenly become better and they just want to tell someone. Um, but it doesn't, you know, no one in the cafe would have context for that, so it doesn't quite fit. Or maybe, maybe there's a local sports team uh, that a lot of people love, and they've just won a really important match, and they've just got to go and, like, spread the good news. Um, but people who are in cafes during an important sports match probably aren't too interested in the sports, so, again, it doesn't... Maybe I'm talking about myself. Uh, depends if it's cycling or not. But... Or maybe, maybe imagine, imagine you're in a small town in this cafe and it's been hard times economically for quite some time and, and someone's just discovered there's, like, there's oil or there's ore or there's something like that and there's, there's just this news that's, that's come out and it's going to make the town flourish again. That, one, that one's the only one that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because everyone has this shared context uh, for this event for this news. Now, Jesus, as it turns out, he did a lot of 
proverbially bursting into cafes and telling people good news. Um, Matthew 23, uh, 4, 23 to 24 says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease, we'll take some of that, Lord, and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought him uh, to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. You know, I think we would read something like this passage into our current situation, and we would say, Jesus, what changed? How do we, how do we reconcile what we're reading here in the Bible with what's happening in our society right now? How could Jesus be proclaiming good news? And how is that good news for us today? Now, you might, you might think, if you've been around church for a little while, you'll probably be thinking, um, as I did for honestly most of my Christian walk, you'll say, well, the good news, that's the gospel, and I know what the gospel is. Jesus died for my sins so that I can go to heaven when I die. Um, but for good news to be good news, it, there are two basic requirements. One of them is it has to be news. And the second one is that it has to be good. Now, news is generally an event, isn't it? It's something that's happened or something that's changed that is worth noting. And so if I present the gospel that Jesus died for my sins uh, so that I can go to heaven when I die, it's not untrue. Like The Bible absolutely says that, but it's not really news. It's more of a formula, isn't it? And the second thing is, if you've been around church for a while, then you probably acknowledge that, yes, that's, that's definitely good. But if you have no background with God, then what that sounds like is, if you don't follow this Jesus guy, then you're going to the bad place. And so it's not good or news. So what is this good news of the kingdom? Well, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about three things. First of all, we're going to talk about how it's news. Then we're going to talk about how it's good. And finally, we're going to talk about what this kingdom thing is. And my hope is that in doing this, uh, in understanding what the good news of the kingdom really means, that we're going, to think, we're going to learn about, we're going to figure out how to make sense of our world at the moment and how we, as the church, as Christians, how we can speak into that positively. So question one. Tashi, way ahead of me. This is awesome. <laughs> Thanks. So question one, how is it news? Okay, we'll go back to our cafe analogy that we had before. One of the things that is really important in that moment is the shared sense of context. You know, for there to be news, there has to be a context in, into which that news is speaking. If something has changed, you need to know what things were like before so that what things are like after makes sense. And if we want to understand good news as, Jesus, as, as it is in this passage, as Jesus was talking about it, we need to understand a few things about the ancient Jewish worldview. Firstly, if you were um, a Jew in Jesus' day, then you believe that God created the world and he created it good. He created humanity with this purpose to rule over creation on behalf of God. God made us in his image. We had a relationship with God, and he'd given this, us this incredible purpose. But through various uh, unfortunate fruit-related incidents, 
Uh, humanity missed the mark. We, we chose our... I um, shouldn't be keeping a straight, straight face. But uh, anyway, uh, we missed the mark. We decided that we wanted to define good and evil for ourselves. We ate from the tree. Uh, and as a, as a result, it kind of broke creation. The ancient Jewish people, they believed that God had come... So, so God had... Humanity kind of said, no, we've got this. We're going to rule on our own terms. And God kind of went, okay. But at some point, God came to the Jewish people's ancestor, Abraham, and he promised to Abraham, first of all, he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation, and then I'm going to bless all nations through you. And so if you're an ancient Jewish person, you had this belief that in this promise that you would be a great nation and that somehow all nations would be blessed through you. But... As we read about in the Old Testament, uh, Testament, uh, as we read about in the Old Testament, Israel has a bit of a turbulent history. Things don't go so well. But all of these prophets came along throughout the course of Jewish history who told their people about this Messiah who was going to come and fulfill the promise of Abraham, who was going to make all things right, who was going to establish their great nation and be a king over the nation forever. So this is this is so you're an, you're one of the people that Jesus is ministering to in this passage. This is your this is your worldview. You you kind of have this belief about how things were created to be, how things kind of fell apart, and you have this future hope of this Messiah. You know what? I actually would suggest that in our Western context, our our kind of cultural narrative is in some ways a little bit similar, but we we give different names to things. We have, I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, we have this kind of underlying assumption in the Western world of this idea of progress. We look back through history and we look at the way that things were bad and the way that people fixed them. We look at the current problems in our society and we look towards this future where through progress, through everyone becoming more and more enlightened, we eventually get to this point where everything's okay, where all of the problems are gone. We have this similar belief to the ancient Jewish people in this beautiful future that's coming. But I don't know if you've noticed, but the direction of that progress is sometimes a little bit different for different people. You know, the the problem we run into is what happens when my version of a better future disagrees with your version of a a better future. And we have this, this society that's so very individualistic, that we, we believe that we get to define good and evil for ourselves. Does that sound familiar? Now, when Jesus came, when he came in this passage, when he came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, this word good news, uh, if you look it up in the Greek, um, it's this word evangelion. I'm pronouncing it horribly, but sorry, Matt. I don't think anyone else will mind. What's that? Good. I'm good? Oh, sweet. I've got the Matt McKenzie check of approval. So th- this good news, it's uh, Evangelion, and, and that's, that's how it's literally translated, good news. Uh, and when we think of good news, we think about like a newspaper publishing a, a fluffy article or, or something good that's happened. But the cultural context for that word was a little bit more specific in Jesus' day. Now, Jesus is in... 
Jerusalem, which is being occupied by the Roman Empire at that point. And if you know anything about the Romans, you know that they love to conquer other people. And the way that... Is this thing buzzing? Is, that, is it really annoying or should I just... I'll, just, I'll keep going, and if it gets really bad, I'll grab a different mic. Um, so, there's this, there's, so the Romans, they love to conquer people. And what would happen is uh, the Romans would go to war against another nation. The Romans would most likely win the war, and then they would send out these heralds, these uh, people, whose job it was to go to all of, the na- all of the cities of the nation that had been conquered. And they had to preach... They had to go into the center of the town and they had to deliver the good news, the evangelion. And so good news to, to people in Jesus' day, they would, they would associate that with the Romans having conquered a particular town and coming to declare news of the victory. And so we have this setting where the good news, so the good news, it's good news if you're a Roman or you like the Romans, it's not good news if you don't like the Romans, but you have this situation where you're in a town, the good news has been given, but the reality of that good news hasn't fully set in because the army hasn't arrived yet to make sure that everyone follows the Roman rules. So do you see this, this kind of in-between time that we find ourselves in when we think about the good news? We're going to come back to that in a sec. Um. So when Jesus came preaching good news, you can imagine how that sounded, particularly to the Roman authorities at that point. Here's this, here's this guy, Jesus, who's coming proclaiming the evangelion of a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. Jesus was coming declaring that there was a new king and that that king was the Jewish God. Isn't that interesting? So it's news. How is it news? It's news in the sense that um, Jesus came proclaiming that good news. He was like a herald of the good news of our king's uh, arrival, that he was getting back on the throne. So now, how is it good? I want to I wanna start this bit by telling you a little story, uh, which is it happens in the book of Exodus, and there's this amazing encounter where Moses, he goes up onto the mountain, uh, Mount Sinai, and he meets with God, and for some, the, the, through various interactions, God decides that he's actually going to reveal himself, his glory to Moses, and he, he kind of says, I'm just going to show you my shoulder, because if I showed you the rest of you, you would die. Um, Moses, Moses sees God's shoulder as he passes by, he comes down off the mountain, and it's really interesting what happens next, because the people of Israel make him wear a veil to cover his face because the reflection of God's glory is so intense that they can't look on it. And it's really interesting because when you read the story, the reason it gives that the Israelites couldn't look on Moses' face, it says because that they, it's because they were afraid. They were afraid to see the glory of God reflected on Moses' face. I wonder if you've ever heard this statement, God can't be in the presence of sin. You heard that? Well, I'm here to tell you that that's not true. I would suggest that it actually flies in the face of the entire narrative of Scripture. You know, Scripture is the story of God's pursuit of sinful people. The problem is actually that sinful people can't be in the presence of God. 
When, it, when, when you as a sinful person, when you see the glory of God, it's unbearable. You know, Adam and Eve in the garden, when they, when they realized, when, when God came, they ate from the fruit, they sinned, and God came back into their presence, they were ashamed in the presence of God. And so you can see how the kingdom of God for sinful people isn't actually good news. The coming of the king uh, for a people like the people at the base of the mountain in Israel, when, when the king comes, that's actually not a good thing if you don't have a good relationship with God. Exactly the same way that the Evangelion isn't good news if you're not on the side of the Romans. But when Jesus died on the cross, he completely solved this problem. When Jesus went to the cross, he took our sin. He, he died for us and he died as us and he dealt with that sin problem and so now when we come into the presence of God it fills us with joy it fills us with hope and there's this um there's this passage that at the moment when when Jesus dies the uh the curtain in the temple uh which represents the separation between the presence of God and his people the the the, temp, the temple curtain it's torn from top to bottom And generally, when we think about that passage, we think about it in terms of us being able to have access to God's presence, for us to be able to go into the most holy place. And I don't think that's wrong, but I actually think it's more profound the other way around, that God wasn't confined to this one place anymore, that God was was releasing his presence upon the whole world. The reign of God, this, this coming kingdom, this good news that Jesus was preaching... It's a chance for us to have restored relationship with him. It's a chance for us to rediscover who we were made to be, and it's a chance for us to find our purpose again. For sinful people, the good news isn't good, but for people redeemed by Jesus, it's the best news in the world. So finally, so we've talked about how the good news is news. We've talked about how it's good. And the last question I want to talk about uh, is what actually is this kingdom thing? Now, it's really interesting. If you look back in the history of Bible translation, uh, this phrase that's translated as kingdom of God uh, was first translated that way in the KJV, which is the first English translation of the Bible. Uh, and the transla- I'm, not, I'm not trying to say to you that the translation is incorrect. What I'm saying is that when we, when we think about it, in terms of being a kingdom, we sometimes miss the point of what the authors are trying to say. You see, kingdom, this word kingdom in the Greek, it doesn't actually refer to a place. Generally, when we think of, you know, the kingdom of Cambodia is a place. You can point to it on a map. You, can, you know when you're in the kingdom and then you know what you want, when you're not. Uh, but I would suggest that perhaps a better way to understand the kingdom of God is to talk about the reign of God. Um, think about, if you want another Dom word, uh, think about freedom. Freedom's a state of being. It's not a thing that you can hold in your hands. And in exactly the same way, the kingdom of God is a state of being for the world. Uh, it's, it's wherever God is king. And it's a little bit tricky to describe exactly what this, uh, what this kingdom is, but pr- perhaps a better way to understand it is in terms of what the kingdom is like. 
Uh, I'm just going to read you a little passage uh, from Isaiah. Actually, I'm not going to read you the whole of the passage because it's not very little, but I'm just going to read you a little bit um, of Isaiah 61 because this is a passage that describes what the kingdom is like. Um, it's a, it starts off um, prophetically talking about Jesus. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. What a beautiful, beautiful description of God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, the brokenhearted are bound up. The captives are set free. Prisoners are released from darkness. All who mourn are comforted. Those who mourn are given a crown of beauty instead of ashes. They're given joy instead of mourning. It's beautiful. This kingdom is beautiful. In God's kingdom, there is no disease. And so, if, God, if Jesus came proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, then why is there still disease? Why are we facing this situation that we're in as a society, as a global community right now? Well, the best way to understand it is to go back to this analogy that I, um, I gave you before about um, the herald bringing the good news um, of Roman occupation depending on whether you like the Romans or not. I, I kind of drew out in that analogy before that, you've, that, in, that uh, in that time, if your, uh, your nation had been conquered by the Romans and this, this herald came preaching the good news, you find yourself in this interesting in-between, don't you? You know about what's coming. You know that the victory has already been won. It's already a done deal. Like You know how it's going to play out. But between when the messenger comes preaching the good news and when the army comes in to seal the deal, you're in this interesting in-between time. And that's exactly the time that we find ourselves in uh, as the church, as the people of God. In the vineyard, we have this phrase we love to use to describe this. We say, it's the now and the not yet of the kingdom. And the way that works is, uh, in some situations, we will see the kingdom of God come in power. We'll pray for someone who is sick or broken, and we'll see them healed instantly. And sometimes we don't. Sometimes they don't get better, or sometimes uh, they're healed by medicine. Uh, sometimes we see the kingdom of God come powerfully through the execution of justice. We see people, literal slaves, set free. We see captives released, and sometimes we don't. It's this now and not yet reality that we live in as the church. And when we have things like this coronavirus situation, we come face to face with the reality of the not yet part of that as we continue to pray for the now to break through. Our job as we find ourselves in this, this season, this, this age that we find ourselves in as the church, our job is to continue Jesus' work of preaching the good news of the kingdom. 
of proclaiming the good news like he did, of demonstrating what this new reign of God looks like by healing disease and, and fighting for the people who can't fight for themselves and to invite others into the same journey. And so that's what the kingdom of God is all about. So what now? As a people of good news, what do we do in this time that we find ourselves in? Well, I want to draw out five really simple things that we can do as a church and as Christians to respond to the situation that we find ourselves in. So first of all, as people of the good news, we pray for swift and miraculous intervention as we wash our hands and follow health guidelines. (laughs) The now and the not yet. It's not one or the other. It's both. You know, I think... I've heard, not a, not a lot, thankfully, but I've heard a little bit of discussion about, you know, it's okay, we don't need to worry about it, Jesus is in control, he knows what he's doing. And I say, absolutely yes. But, the, but we live in this now and not yet reality. We need to continue to pray and seek Jesus for a miracle intervention to this whole situation. But we also need to continue to do um, our best to look after ourselves and to look after other people. Make sense? It's not faithless to practice good hygiene. (laughs) Secondly, as a people of the good news, uh, we are a voice of hope for those who are gripped by fear and anxiety. Something I have unfortunately seen a lot of, um, particularly on social media throughout this crisis, you know how there's there's that panic buying of toilet paper thing? Now, it it just blows my mind. I needed to buy paper towels the other day and couldn't. We've been trying to buy hand sanitizer for church so we can have it available when we can't get it, or it's really hard to get. But I've seen some people absolutely ripping into people who are panic buying on social media. And you know what? I don't, I don't, I don't agree with the people who are panic buying, but it really made me think, what, what drives someone to go and buy like 300 rolls of toilet paper? Diarrhea. It's <laughs> other than diarrhea. Thank you, Harry McKenzie. You've derailed my talk. <laughs> no, you haven't. You made it better. Um, what drives someone to buy so much hand sanitizer? It's fear, isn't it? You know, I think this panic buying thing, it's just its a reminder of the climate of fear that we're living in. And you know what? Jesus doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gives us a spirit of hope. We've received that hope. We know the glorious future that Jesus has for us. And so we have hope. And we need, to, we need to stop. We need to not be a people who dig into the people who are afraid. We need to be a people who offer them hope instead. Can we do that? Good. As people of the good news, we listen to God as much as we listen to the news. I said this earlier. We, there's something kind of addictive about reading these feeds and all of the bad news that's coming in. And like I found myself just repeatedly scrolling and, and clicking the little red bar on SMH that comes up when there's a new update. What if we listened to God as much as we read the news? I wonder what our perspective would be on this situation. I wonder how that would change. Uh, the, the guys in the morning had this thing, uh, and I really like it, and I, I thought I'd share it with us. They, they had this thing of, um, every time you wash your hands, pray. You know how we're being encouraged to wash our hands all the time? Well, for 20 seconds, how long, however long it takes, like memorize a prayer if you want to that goes for 20 seconds. But every time you wash your hands, pray. 
And let's see how our perspective changes. Number four, as a people of the good news, we eagerly await the day disease is dealt with once and for all. You know, as people, if you believe in, in what Scripture says, if you believe in the good news of Jesus, then you know that there's going to be a day where heaven's army is going to come back through and he's going to set everything right. There is going to be no more disease. We eagerly await that time. We look forward to that. But as people of the good news, until then, we proclaim and demonstrate the good news of the kingdom of God. And you know what? The, the, the kingdom, it doesn't just look like healing, although we love going after healing. It looks like justice. It looks like kindness. Check in with people who are isolated or immobile. You know, we had this meeting um, before set up for church with uh, the pastors and the board, and um, Cass said something really profound. I think Cass said something really profound at the start. You said lots of profound things, but um, take the credit if, if this wasn't you anyway, um, that the, um, the, the mental health cost of this uh, pandemic may well be as bad as the actual virus itself, if not worse. Check in with people who are isolated, immobile, or vulnerable. Think about how we spend our money and invest in those doing it tough. I've seen so many posts um, from artists and creatives who are just being absolutely dominated by, this, by cancellations. Um, these are people who d depend uh, on the income that they get um, from doing gigs or doing, doing art or whatever it is. Let's, let's think about them and um, when we spend money, let's think about where it's going and who we're supporting. Uh, let's be kind to each other on social media um, and let's choose to share stories of hope and good news. I love that story, that's, uh, that video that's been going around of people in Italy singing together from their balconies while they're in isolation. What an incredible, incredible way um, to, to share the kingdom in a time um, of fear and anxiety. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, okay, we're going to pray, but you know what? I think during worship, I, I feel like God um, gave me a little bit of a, a prophetic word. So I'm just going to go and share this and usual caveat with all prophetic words. Take, take it or leave it. If it doesn't fit, then it doesn't fit. But this is about society, so I think society has to figure this one out. Um, I, I'm becoming increasingly convinced that this... Uh, pandemic that we're a part of is going, going to be one of the significant uh, turning points in our history as a society. You know, you can look back over the last like 20, 30 years, however long you've been alive, uh, and you, you can, there are moments that have defined our society, that have defined our global culture, and I really believe that it, this is one of them. I think it is interesting um, that people, I, you know, I have this sense that sometimes as a society, we kind, of, we kind of feel like we can beat death. You know, only Jesus can do that. But I, I think sometimes we think that we can, um, we can kind of avoid all bad things. And this idea of a perfect life um, almost seems like it's supposed to be the norm instead of, uh, you know, a lucky, lucky run. Um, but I feel like that's, that's being challenged at the moment. You know, people are realizing that they're vulnerable. People are realizing how frail we are as people. And I believe that we're entering into a time where, as, as the church, we have an opportunity to speak into the current climate of fear in a way that is going to change the way that people perceive the church. 
We have an opportunity to introduce the kingdom back into this secular society in a way that's really significant. And I don't know how we're going to do that, but I believe that we have the opportunity. And you know what? I wonder whether it's not so much about what church leaders say to the media, but about the way that we treat each other in our everyday, the way that we um, talk to people when we go to the shops, the way that we, um, we talk to people on social media, the way that we love each other um, with no strings attached, the way that we provide for people um, and, and communicate with people when they're in isolation. You know what? I don't, I don't know what's going to happen over the next month. I don't, if someone does know, please let us know. That would be really useful information. I don't know what's going to happen over the next few months. I don't know whether ch- we're going to be meeting here next week or whether we're going to be meeting digitally next week. I really hope we're here. But this is, as much as this is a crisis, I believe that this time in our history is an opportunity, an opportunity to bring the kingdom in so much more fullness, to introduce people to the love of God in a way that we haven't had that opportunity in a long time. So um, let's pray together, and then we're going to... Well, let's just pray together. Why don't we stand? You guys have been sitting down for a long time. Well, Lord Jesus, we just say yes and amen to that word. Um, We are so thankful um, for your goodness and that, Lord, this, this situation in our world is messed up. We don't like it. We hate it. Please, Lord, take it away. Um, but if you're not going to take it away, Lord, please do an incredible work through it. Lord, change our culture. Change, change the landscape um, of, of our society. Lord, for your kingdom. Lord, give us courage. Give us courage, Lord, to... to um, to step out when we need to step out and to stay in when we need to stay in. Lord, I just I break the power of shame over our society, over people who are sick. I break that power of shame in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for people who are, are feeling anxious, who are scared, who don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. Lord, we pray for your comfort. Lord, visit people in dreams, if that's what you've got to do, to give them re- reassurance, Lord. Lord, we pray for our nation. We pray for our world. Lord, we pray for our city. We pray for our community. Lord, we pray that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Um, I just wanted to pray there's a prayer in the scripture that's a blessing. And so, um, representing Phil and I together, it's, um, it's a prayer that I prayed over my kids and your parents may have prayed it over you, but today um, I'd like to pray it over you. So, I, I, I just know that the love of the Lord, when it fills us up, it pushes away fear. Mm. I know that's possible. So friends, family, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May his favour be upon you and a thousand generations. To your family and to your children and their children and their children. I'm going to pray it again over you. Let it sink in. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. May his favour 
be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. Amen.